LifeWay Audio. Seattle is a great place to be sad, is what I have always said. After I preached at Christmas, I realized, hey, like, like, there's no points for bravery or playing hurt. Let's take some time. Someone had offered for us to stay in Seattle at a place that they had for us, and, and so we traveled out there, but the girls would sleep in, and every day I would get up early and go in pursuit of coffee. I remember one of the mornings walking and really spiraling hard. I was doing everything I could to hold it together. You know, I was walking to Starbucks and I remember running and um, just, just feeling cold, but like happy, like almost like take me out. Like it's, it's too much. The, um, the thoughts were like dominoes falling over. Like she'll never walk down the aisle with me at her wedding. She'll never, you know, it's like everything. I'm in high school, just, it was like just so cruel. Like having all these things robbed from you. Memories that you were looking forward to but never would get to, to live out. I was like just at a low place when I walked into Starbucks. Ordered my coffee sat down, realizing not one person in that room knew how sad I was. And just feeling like, oh man, like I'm just, but then it hit me like, I wonder how many times I've been around people who are sad and not known. And I pull my Bible out on my phone and I start reading. And I just remember reading and it was like something about faith from Romans. And I just was like, you know what? I feel like I, everything I just felt real again. But right now I choose to believe anyway. And I think that faith isn't like, oh, I feel so inspired, so now I'm gonna trust you, God. It's like, it's like, faith is gritty. It's like having snow tires. You know, you're slipping. It's like, that's when you need to activate them. So it's like, my feeling all that right there, someone might say, well, like, why would you honor God if he's done this to you? It's like, no, because this is my reality, that's why I need faith. And so I just said, like, I, I remember just saying, like, I still believe. I believe again. I believe all over again. And I re-upped my, decision because it was almost like a I felt so bad in that moment it was like either this is going to end with me you know uh, drunk somewhere with a needle in my arm or I'm going to be like just great and I just said I'm going to go that way I don't know how or why but that's what I pick and, uh, and when I left Starbucks I was funny I, I, I walked out the door and I was like I feel like a different person than when I came in here two minutes ago from that moment with God at that table and it wasn't like anything in my my circumstances changed something in me had changed because I now had a different lens to process it through of faith. And I was looking at the same reality with a new perspective and it changed everything. And I have had to do that a thousand times since then. Every single day, it's like, okay, today's a day for faith and today's a day for trusting God. One of my family's favorite summer traditions is to lie out on our backyard and look up at the sky at night and watch the Perseid meteor shower. 
ironically, uh, it's happening right now as I'm filming this. And so last night, uh, even though we're doing this early sunrise shoot on a mountain, we couldn't resist getting all the sleeping bags out. And my three-year-old, we even brought out his Spider-Man little pop-up tent and sleeping bag and pillow. And we got all settled in because the Perseids is like one of the, the, the top meteor showers uh, of the year that uh, allows you to look up and especially where there's not a lot of light pollution like where I live in Montana and not too much interference and you're able to see as many as 100 meteors streaking across the sky per hour. And it's just one of our absolute favorite family traditions uh, to watch these fireballs streak. And I have memories of seeing over one a minute just flying by. And so we were so excited for this last night. And, you know, it takes so long as far north as we live for the sun to actually go down. And so, you know, we're kind of like killing time and I'm like drowsy, falling asleep almost after dinner. It's like, no, must stay awake, must see the comets. And finally the sun's down and we're all out there and everyone's sort of like calm and we're looking up and it was cloudy. That's right, it was a cloudy night. You could see one tiny patch over in the corner where there was some visible stars, but just about everywhere else we looked, it was just clouds. And of course we made, we made the best of it and still tried to enjoy our little camp out. Although honest confessions, once everybody was asleep, I snuck into the house and went to bed in my bed. Uh, I don't mind camping, but if my bed's that close, I'm gonna find my way to it, you can be sure. But what I tried to remember as I drifted off to sleep and I was still thinking about this morning as I woke up was the fact that above us, even though we couldn't see it, the show was every bit as spectacular as I remember it's been. And even more so, more spectacular than I could have ever seen. And that's because the, the show in the sky was still happening, even though it was obscured by the clouds. And I kind of tried to imagine the fireballs and the the comets and the, 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 the Milky Way and even the Aurora Borealis and, and really all that's actually going on up there. You see, even today as I'm here communicating to you with the sun out and the birds chirping and bunnies and deer running around and the, the beautiful city that you can see spread out before me where people are still sleeping and maybe just beginning to stir, above us is still every single star that shines in the night sky. They don't go anywhere in the daytime. It's not as though the stars go to bed when we wake up and they're like, all right, we got the, we, we got the night shift, so you guys got the morning shift. Right now above us, the heavens are still declaring the glory of God. They're still telling the story of his grandeur, of his wisdom, of his ability. It's all happening right now. We just can't see it because of distance and interference. And there's a parallel. The parallel is that as we live, we only see a part of what's actually going on. And that is the beating heartbeat of the message of Through the Eyes of a Lion, that we need something to help us to see what's actually there and not just what we can see is there. And the Bible presents to us faith to be that telescope. That's essentially what that metaphor through the eyes of a lion is all about. You see, a lion's eye is more sophisticated than a human eye at discerning light. And sight is all about light. You see, light enters the eye through the cornea, which is the outermost lens of the eye, passes into the pupil and gets focused by a lens onto the rear wall of the eye, uh, which is a surface covered in millions of photoreceptors called rods and cones. And they both have a different function, whether they're perceiving shape or color. And all of that information, which is handled in real time 
all the time is sent to the optic nerve where it goes to the brain for processing and you then are able to perceive what's happening in the environment that you're operating in. Now what we do, and I'm doing right now with our eyes, is only a percentage of what a lion is able to do because a lion's eye is six times better than a human eye at perceiving light. So where you or me might be off in the distance like looking going, is, is, that, is that Bill, is that, is that Fred? I, I can't tell, a lion would go, I know exactly what that is. That's lunch is what that is. You see, because they can see so much better. And so we need something living in this world where we only are able to see a percentage of what's happening. Eugene Peterson put it this way, reality is made up mostly of what we cannot see. Just like I looked up and saw only clouds and didn't see stars, but the true story was just out of my ability to perceive. The Bible presents to us a reality going on constantly that we're not able to perceive because of our fallen state. You see, post Genesis 3, we've been obscured and limited and stunted in our ability to perceive the environment that we actually are operating in. The irony is that the serpent promised Adam and Eve that if they were to disobey God's command, their eyes would be opened and they would actually see. The truth was, he doesn't even have his doctor's license. He's not an ophthalmologist. He can't help us see things. Adam and Eve saw everything. They walked with God in the garden in the cool of day. They were able to, to understand everything that we were meant to see. What he actually did was do a botched LASIK surgery and cause blindness to enter into humanity as we ate that forbidden fruit. The, the true ramifications of that atom bomb that went off in Genesis 3 were that we became blind to the truth of God's glory, blind to, to our part in this cosmic story. And we've been groping in the dark ever since. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul puts this reality this way. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Don't miss this part. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So Paul's saying, yeah, we can see this earth and we can see the fact that our car didn't start this morning or we got into a fight with our husband or there's bills that we don't have money to pay for. We can see that a loved one is sick. We can see that someone we cared about is no longer in our life. They betrayed us, they abandoned us or they died and simply left us. We can see those things, but that's not the full story. What we see now will soon be gone. Our present troubles, they're actually small. They seem big, but they're actually small if we compare them against eternity. If we remember as Jesus people that our lives are hidden with Christ in God and that when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall then appear with him in glory and that just as this world will be renewed, we will be renewed. Brand new bodies that will not get sick or age or be able to die. We will be the after effects of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was the first fruits. He was the first one that, that was brought to glory, but the world will follow suit and our bodies will follow suit. If we actually realize those things, if we look at the scope and the, the grandeur and the length of eternity, which has no limit, then we will understand that our troubles are actually put in perspective. These 
mountains will turn back into the molehills that they are. We'll remember there's so much more happening around us that's hidden in plain sight. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we're given an absolute powerful picture of what is meant to happen to us every single day. There was a man of God named Elisha. and He was able to prophesy and was given intelligence by God's Spirit that allowed him to be a massive threat to the enemies of the King of Israel because he knew what the, the movements of soldiers were doing far, far away. He was able to, to, to know what was being whispered in the bedroom of the king, of the enemy of the people of God. And so he was able to give this information, this intel to the king. And so they sent an army to kill Elisha. They surrounded the little house he was in. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And Gehazi went out to get the newspaper. Use your imagination. We're bringing the illustration into modern culture. And as he grabbed the newspaper off the stoop, he looked up and saw that the house that they were in was surrounded. The hills were, were, were full of enemy soldiers. And he realized we are dead. So he, he kind of carefully backed back into the house and Elisha noticed he was stressed and said, hey, what's going on, Gehazi? He said, we're surrounded, we're dead, we're sunk. There's, a, there's SEAL Team 6 all around us. And Elisha glanced up, didn't seem to be particularly phased by the soldiers. He said, it's all right. There's more on our side than on their side. But Gehazi was like, you poor preacher, you've clearly lost your mind. There are so many of these enemies and there's only two of us. What are you talking about? And Elisha said, oh, you were just talking about what you can see. I gotcha. God, would you please open Gehazi's eyes so that he might perceive true reality? Gehazi now looked again and saw the same soldiers that were there but then he also saw behind them a different army, a much bigger army, an angelic army. And they were infinitely more powerful and strong and numerous than the human soldiers that had come to kill them. And he realized that there was a true story being waged on an unseen level, on an eternal level, on a, on a spiritual level that he couldn't see before. And he was no longer afraid. You see, what, what he realized in that moment was the soldiers that came to kill him were still there. But now that his eyes had been dilated spiritually, he saw that the thing that was surrounding him was itself surrounded by God. And so it always is. And this is why you and I, we need to each day have God breathe on us that we might be enlightened and receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might uh, not be oblivious to the truth of what's happening on this planet, but that we might take that into uh, account, but then account for what we cannot see as well. So you look at that trial, you look at that grief, you look at that hardship and you go, I know that's real and I know that's there and I know that needs to be dealt with and that's, that's a reality. But I also choose to put the lion lens in place so that I also see the unseen reality, that I also can see that this situation, that this anxiety, that this grief, that this feeling of loneliness, that this, this struggling to, to make this marriage work is also surrounded by the one who loves me, who has a plan for for me and is doing things that are outside of me and beyond me and not just about me but they're about his glory and I'm invited in to be a part of that story and that is what you and I have to do every day we wake up tomorrow and we have to choose to say God put that lens of faith in place so that I don't just see what I can see is there but so I can see what you say is there and when we can see the invisible listen to me 
we will be able to do the impossible. Lifeway Audio.